You're listening to the Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. Enjoy. There are many ways to view ourselves as bodies, as minds, as souls. Essentially, though, we are light beings that respond to and take part in the frequencies of light, which in turn are the energetics of life and immaterial being as well. Joining us this hour is chiropractor Michael Weiner, whose book Light Medicine, Evolving Our Body, Our Life, and Our Planet, explores how deeply interconnected we are between our own beliefs, thoughts, and emotions, and those around us. Our own wellness or illness is simply being out of or in harmony with the universe and our own highest good. Light medicine posits that as light beings, all illness is an energetic imbalance that we have the ability to change. Healing, Michael writes, is not an end goal. It is a way of life, for as we correct our own imbalances, so too the world is restored to harmony. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Hi, Joe. Nice to be with you. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that you began your practice out there in Oregon as a chiropractor. So why did you choose chiropractic? Uh, it, uh, at the time, was, you know, it was a holistic approach, and I thought it offered me the best opportunity to explore my other interests uh, in conjunction with physical body healing. So, um, yeah, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> well, in your book, Light Medicine, Evolving Our Bodies, Our Life, and Our Planet, you, you state an overall philosophy and observation based in science as well as spiritual teachings that we're light beings. So how, how does viewing ourselves in this fashion change the questions we ask and then even the treatments we offer in healthcare? Yeah, um, light is the most basic building block for our body. It's the most basic nutrient. It's how cells and atoms and molecules all communicate, and so we want to work on the level of light if we're going to um, realize our potential and establish health and well-being. Uh, if we don't work on the level of light, then we're, we're adapting to our issues, and um, emotional and energetic issues are the main way that, uh, that light disorders uh, develop. And, uh, so yeah, we want to work on the level of the light if we really want to get to the source. What you suggest, I mean, you offer a lot of different exercises, and one of the things you talk about, as do others, um, is is the not the challenge, but the desire, if one has it, to overcome emotional patterns that hold any one of us back from evolving. Explore this a little bit with us. Yeah, emotion is, uh, you know, it's, it's it's the key of all of our motivation. It's it's the it's the energy behind everything we think, say, and do. So. So we do need to address uh, our emotional patterns and our emotional issues directly. Uh, it's not possible to do that with a thought process or with, uh, um, you know, changing our programming or with supplements or whatever. We actually have to have an effective emotional process uh, to deal with emotions. So it's affecting our motivation. And, uh, yeah, if we really want to change the direction of our life, if we want to change our health, we have to deal with things on an emotional level. You wrote in, I don't remember where, but somewhere in your book, you wrote that autoimmune disorders um, are the result of having, quote unquote, foreign energies, unquote, in our energy field. So what do you mean by this? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's universal that we get other people's energy in our space. It's, it's, um, it's actually, you know, if you start thinking about it, it's a huge, huge issue. Uh, 
starts at a very young age. We got uh, everybody's expectations. We get people's control. We get other people's goals and how they view us into our space. Uh, judgments, perfectionism, all these patterns. Uh, we readily absorb them. Uh, and this, you know, people direct their own. When, they, when we don't have an emotional process, uh, people direct their issues at, at each other and and try to get their emotional needs met from other people. So there's this kind of emotional battle going on and. And yeah, it's really uh, it's universal that we get other people into our space and, and we get in other people's space. And uh, so, yeah, autoimmune disorders uh, would typically be based uh, on uh, emotional patterns where we absorb other people's judgment or other people's perfectionism, and and then we start attacking ourselves. We're we're hard on ourselves and we uh, judge ourselves harshly and so forth. And so. The thing is, it's you know it's hard to discover those patterns because uh, by the time we're old enough to be aware of what we're doing, uh, it sounds like our own voice, and so it sounds like it's us, and so it's very difficult to recognize that we're in fact dealing with other people's energy in our space. And then, how? Let's say somebody in the listening audience says, "I have a lot of fear in my life. I'm 65 years old. You know, I've done a lot of things. I don't know what to do now, or I don't have the courage to try something newer, or whatever it is." Um, how how does fear play into all of this, and and particularly into physical illness? Well, fear fear is another another emotional issue. Uh, yeah, it could originate from other people very easily. Uh, there's a lot of fear in the world. So it's easy to get in our space, but uh, but yeah, the process would be uh, to to work on the emotions around that and to go into the fear, explore it. Uh, you know, the tricky part with emotional process is uh, discerning what's yours and what's not yours. So if you try to go into an emotion and it's really your emotion, you'll be able to relax through it and resolve it. Uh, if it's somebody else's emotion that's in your space and you try to relax into it, you'll you probably get stuck in it. So so if somebody has fear, I would you know recommend a Try to explore that feeling and move into it and just sort of play with it a little bit. Is, uh, is that true in general, in, in a general sort of way, about all emotions? The, the, yeah. the personal work one can do alone is simply to go into the feeling, allow the feeling to exist, and then to appreciate whether it's yours or something in the world or something you saw or something you heard? Or Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah, so whatever the feeling is that's coming up, we want to move into it. Um, and then practice relaxation and, and try to um, yeah try to relax into the feeling, let it start flowing. And, and again, if if you feel like you're relaxing and it's either getting more intense and and not moving or it's just just plain stuck there, then it's a pretty good indication that it's not your emotion. And then you've got to work on how you engaged with it. And that's that's really fascinating. I've never heard in all the therapists that I've interviewed in the 30-some years, I've never heard anybody talk about it energetically discriminating and so easily between whether the pattern originates with you or the pattern originates from outside of you, and that if it's outside of you, you get stuck in it. That's that's a really fascinating observation. Yeah, and, and you know, again, in terms of health issues, I mean, I, I'm actually at a place where I think that that most, if not all, health issues revolve around how we engage with foreign energy and how much of it gets stuck in our space. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's. Uh, but the truth is, we know. I mean, we know from an energetic point of view that you can stand next to somebody, and your heart fields are interacting. Yeah. And and that happens. It just happens. It's not like something we say, oh, great, I can't wait to feel your suffering today, or, oh, gee, I know exactly how happy you are for your children. 
by yeah. standing next to somebody. So, in fact, we're all always immersed in each other's presence. Yeah, I, I, again, I think you know, if you really want to look at our potential, I don't know that that's the ultimate achievement. I think that is what we all do. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's just very easy to be in resonance with other people. And so, yeah, it's part of our uh, potential, part of our evolutionary potential to actually evolve our emotional uh, state so that we really do discern what's ours and what's not ours and, uh, um, and heal up our issues and let other people heal up their issues, and then we can connect in a healthier way. If we keep connecting through the issues, then they get all confused, uh, and, that, and that makes all of our development slower. And, uh, right, and we, we certainly perpetuate it. We see it culturally across nations. We perpetuate yeah. pain and suffering. You know, you, you push me, and I'm going to push you. You yeah. lob a bomb, and I'm going to lob a bigger bomb. And whether it's verbal or technological, it's really the same impulse of anger, retaliation, you know, supreme misjudgment of what we're all here for. So when you do your work and, and your work that you've done as a healer, you, you're you not alone in this belief that we can transform the patterns that our DNA themselves are giving us and that DNA itself is changeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, again, so the light, light is at the core of our being and it's at the core of the physical world and so forth. And and, and the genetic programming, um, you know, takes that light and, and you, you know, changes how it gets expressed and worked with. And, and so life as we know it is a particular manifestation of light. Um, and so it's like, yeah, if we look at the genetic programming and go, well, you know, it's not really how we want to experience life or how we want to live, and um, then we can, in fact, yeah, tap into that uh, programming and alter it. And it's not, you know, a lot of, um, uh, I mean, that's the coolest thing about using light as a stimulus is that uh, it's very easy. If we, if we narrow down the bandwidth uh, with light, um, like we, if we look at the sunlight or whatever, that's, it's not uh, specific enough to actually activate emotional issues. But if we narrow down the bandwidth, then uh, we can actually access genetic programming and stimulate the issues that are there. And then we need an emotional process to actually evolve those patterns. So it, whether you're healing with light or healing with sound, we're talking about healing with frequency yep. rather than um, other kinds of chemical processes or other physical substances. And, of course, the Hindu tradition and many others have long, in fact, every tradition has their own system of correspondences of what color each thing corresponds to. So there there must be some sort of cultural um, component or cultural lens through which these associations happen, because they're not all the same in every culture. But when you talk about light healing, um, Dr. Weiner, do you talk about using light projectors? Are you talking about using gemstones? What What is it that you have found is effective? Actually, I think they all could be effective. Uh, I, yeah, I think there, you know, there's many different dimensions of light. Uh, the two easiest ones to think about are the light of, of your imagination, and so uh, you know, visualization of light is very uh, useful for activating issues and for, or for healing processes. Uh, and then the other one is, yeah, actual physical light sources. The easiest, cheapest one would be like uh, uh, color filters, which you can get at an art store. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then to work with yeah, specific frequencies. And, yeah, there's a lot of variability, but even within a particular culture, uh, but even on a given day, you know, you might use one color for one of your organs and a different color the next day for the same organ. So, um, yeah, it depends on what issues are coming up and what needs to be addressed. 
Mm-hmm. And and I like that you mentioned that imagery, that imaging color is a very powerful tool, which it is. And of course, anybody who's ever studied light healing or the traditional um, ways in which healing has been used by color visualization will see that it crosses, it, it's it's global. It's a, it's a global phenomena that we're really sort of becoming reacquainted with in the last 50 years. When you look across sort of the landscape of the healing community you've been with or your own clientele, how prevalent do you think this understanding is becoming? I mean, I, I myself have been interested in this since the 1970s. Yeah, you know, I th- I think uh, you know, I look around out in the world. There's a lot of lot of work with visualization and the use of light. I I think the thing that's crucial that that I, I'm bringing to the community here, the healing community, is is the use of the emotional process in conjunction with the light work. Uh, I think the, the the emotional process is what actually does the healing. The the light is a stimulus; it activates different issues, um, and then we have to use the emotional process to evolve it. I think a lot of what I've seen is um, is the idea of using light like a, as a nutritional supplement. Like we need a lot of red and we need some orange, and mm-hmm. um, and in a way that's true because emotional energetic blocks do impact the actual amount of light that we receive. But but it's the it's the process that actually does the healing, and then that allows more light to enter into our body, and uh, and then open up new possibilities for our physical and emotional function. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, you know, obviously you're not alone. In, and Rudolf Steiner often spoke about the digestion of light. The cosmic light mm-hmm. is such an important aspect of our own development and why vegetarians often have a much higher um, awareness because they're in touch with the cosmic light that is in the plant life and that that's actually what's giving us the nutrition, not just the potassium or magnesium or sodium or anything else that we might talk about as a chemical that behind the chemicals, the light. And um, so it's very interesting to me that when you think about how people are told to stay out of the sun, and yet most people are vitamin D deficient, and and that there's something very significant about not honoring that we are light beings and, and that this is really rudimentary to how we go about transforming our awareness and our behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, again, even the physical light sources or the visualization of light, uh, both of which work very differently, which is why we need to use both of those. But they both are sort of, yeah, metaphors for the, the deeper light within us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, the light of visualization isn't exactly like the yang of light, but it gets us in that direction and allows us to bring in other aspects of, uh, of our higher levels of light. And, and then the yin aspect of light is more with the, uh, uh, the physical uh, light sources. And that also helps us tune into again a different aspect of light, but it all goes back to that light source, um, and and again ultimately the goal I think is for us to uh, to shift out of our genetic program as of you know of like survival and, and so forth, and, mm-hmm. and and shift to allow yeah more and more of that uh, the real light at the core of our being to come through and express our true light through our body, which is you know I think something that you and a lot of the other uh, forward-thinking people are trying to facilitate that. Uh, well, and it's so interesting, uh, biogenealogy and biogenetics, that what we think to be our own suffering is sometimes the genetics of our ancestry coming right. through us, expressing itself through our limbs, but it's not just our limb history, it's blooded history 
that we've shared. And then when you think about reincarnational patterns of how many lifetimes of the work of Ian Stevenson, who is, you know, Dr. Stevenson has shown when children not only reincarnate and remember their past lives, but they have the wounds of their prior death of the last life, both the entry wound and the exit wound as birthmarks or something. So there's something very prescient about the emotion that we um, associate with an experience actually affecting physiology. And I think that example in reincarnation shows us how profound it is, not just our day-to-day experience of, you know, you somebody gets angry at you and then your stomach hurts or you have to go do something and say something to somebody that works for you and you don't want to because you don't want to hurt their feelings. And then your heart hurts because their heart hurts. And so it's, it's, it's even deeper and subtler than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, like just like you were saying, in the genetic, uh, yeah, the genetic code carries the entire history of everybody, of you know, all your ancestors. Their all their experiences are in there, and uh, and then yeah, you bring in your past life experiences, and so yeah, you've got got a lot of stuff there, that uh, a lot of patterns that we all can uh, uh, have to work on to uh, actually get to a place where we can actually bring our light through instead of just live out our programming or our ancestors' programming. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, our guest is Dr. Michael Weiner. His book, Light Medicine, Evolving Our Body, Our Life, and Our Planet. You can learn more at his website, Michael Weiner, W-I-N-E-R.com. And, of course, there's a link right on 21stCenturyRadio.com's website. This is John G. Cruz from the Ryan Research Center in Durham, North Carolina, the oldest operating parapsychology lab in the country. You can learn more at Ryan.org. You're listening to Zohara Hieronymus on 21st Century Radio. Michael, so it's not just a sense of um, an abstract discussion for some people, but a little bit more direct. You suggest that healing is about honoring the presence of our condition and, quote, assisting in the movement through that condition so we master whatever we gain from the experience, meaning that the experience of the journey is the important thing, not the label somebody's given to our disease. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and, in, and in that context, yeah, it's easy to think of healing as strictly getting rid of whatever the physical ailment or emotional ailment is uh, instead of, yeah, being with the process and moving it through whatever. You know, heal, healing for me is movement, and so um, if we... Uh, whatever we have to do to attain movement with whatever's going on is the path of healing and, and not so much being fixated on the end result, although, of course, that would be important uh, and good. But, yeah, each step of the way, each emotion that's there, each part of the process is, is crucial to, to uh, feel it and, and move through it. And then, again, you know, it's like, um, uh, again, usually with any illness, there's going to be many, many levels. And um, and each of those levels needs to be resolved uh, to achieve you know the physical resolution, and uh, and and so that's yeah that's where the emotional process comes in is so crucial uh, to be able to move through whatever it is we're experiencing, and again since a lot of uh, emotional experiences and physical experiences are related to foreign energy in our space. Uh, we need to be able to recognize yeah, what's ours, what's not ours, and then to learn how to separate from what's not ours to to resolve those issues. So we're actually going for the movement, and yeah, the healing is... Uh 
But, you know, it's very interesting because when you speak with shamanistic cultures and certain kinds of healers um, have been able, it's not necessarily advisable, but you listen to them talk about um, the energy of the individual being moved through their body in order to change the energy of that other person. And um, it's an interesting phenomenon because when a mother, you know, shows love to a child and puts her hand on the boo-boo, her her love literally changes the cellular situation of the child. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about an individual healing themselves and, and moving through sort of the journey of um, obstacles, you, you basically the obstacles become the opportunity for healing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Ta- we want to embrace the steps as yeah, the path. The path is through the blocks. Right, which means when we run into one, that's the thing we should be looking for. But, of course, we look for the easy way. <laughs> we go, well, that's not one I want to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got lots of techniques. we got lots of ways to run away from it. You know, uh, a lot of our activities, whether it's entertainment or, you know, we, we got lots of, or work or whatever, we got lots of ways to distract ourselves from the issues and, and try to avoid them. And uh, we have so many defenses in our culture and in the world in general and just, uh, defense-based, you know, because because mm-hmm. there is very little process going on, and, and uh, uh, most people are looking for an easy way to avoid their their stuff. And so we got, you know, sugar, alcohol, cigarettes, uh, TV, you name it. Um, but yeah, it is possible to move through other people's issues. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like you were saying, I don't think it's that advisable. It's too easy to get stuck in those issues. And, Yeah, exactly. I mean, they used to call that possession on another level. You know, it's interesting because I love a comment you made, which I also, I share many of of your observations, that when we heal a problem from a past relationship, you write, the changes we make affect the other person as well. And that doesn't even mean we ever see the other person again. Share with us when you look at that, at, you know, how significant it is, because I've always found that forgiveness changes not only the effect of the past on us, but it changes the effect on the past on everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're still connecting through whatever issues are there, even if we never see the person again. So, um, yeah, so it's really up to us to resolve all those issues from the past so that those relationships are brought into present time. And maybe, yeah, maybe there will not be a future in that relationship, but at least the energies in present time doesn't get carried forward. Uh, um, but yeah, so if we're connecting through an unresolved issue, uh, typically, you know, one person, they, they, typically both people have, um, you know, there's some kind of energy that's being wrestled with. Either it's something that somebody wanted or something that somebody's trying to get away from and they're throwing energy back and forth. And that's a typical, yeah, obstacle in a relationship. And then, um, yeah, if you resolve your side of it, uh, you know, if it's not your energy, then it ends up back in the other person's space and they're going to have to deal with it. And if it is your issue and you and you move through it, then, again, you've taken kind of a, uh, a, a point of conflict out of the relationship. So, Well, one of the things you talk about in terms of this notion of being able to discern what's your own, what somebody else's, what's your spouse, what's your co-worker what's the tv show you just watched what's you know the story you heard while you're in the grocery store how much is that in um is making healthy boundaries and it occurred to me in listening to you talk that all of our social media is really eviscerating a sense of boundary making yeah yeah um yeah 
you know, kind of getting back to something you were saying earlier, where it's so easy, especially for someone who's sensitive like yourself or myself, uh, to feel what's going on with other people around us and to um, experience all the things they're going through. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that's, it's not a healthy thing because we can't really go through other people's issues very easily. So, so yeah, it's healthier to learn what's ours, what's not ours, separate from what's not ours, and, yeah, instead of passing the emotions around to everybody and everything. And, uh, well, they're contagious. I mean, as much as any virus, they are a virus. Yeah, yeah. Foreign energy, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And there are emotional plagues. I mean, and it's so interesting because consciousness as a component of reflecting emotion actually changes matter, whether it's, you know, positive prayer or something that's more nefarious of, of wishing harm for somebody, that these mm-hmm. are real energies and we all know it. We can feel it when we walk in a room or meet somebody who gives us a really just a bad feeling. You know, you don't want to be next to them or you don't, you know, there's something dark about or whatever it is. And so all of us have this intuitive sense about quote unquote energy, but do we listen to it? Share with us your own observation, like of the Western culture. Do people listen to their bodies in our culture? Uh, no, I don't I mean, you know, I, I, I think uh, if you really look at people's motivation, you know, it's, it, for me, again, emotions really, really hit the core of what, what people's motivation is about. And so we're not that in touch with the, the core motivation. We can talk ourselves in or out of it so quickly, and so we, we mostly we do, and we stay in our minds so easily. So, yeah, we're not in touch so much with our emotional state, not in touch with our body. And that's how disease and, and dysfunction develop without our awareness. And also, um, you know, again, the basic motivation that most of us have is either we're running away from something negative or we're chasing something positive. And, we, and most of the world is set up to do just that. And, and there's not a lot of uh, support in, in any profession. And, uh, and healing really needs to lead the way. Uh, but... Uh, but there's not support for tuning into our body, realizing what's there, uh, acknowledging our issues and moving through them. Well, you know, I had this very odd thought the other day because more and more people I know of have relatives with Alzheimer's. And when you listen to the discussions and the way our society treats it, which is to medicalize it and treat it like a disease, all of a sudden I started thinking about all these meditative practices whose sole goal is to be in the present. You know, not to be attached to your past, not to be daydreaming about your future, but to be present. And that's really sort of the hallmark of many Alzheimer's experiences, that there is no past, there is no future, there's only the present. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be different if we treated it like a spiritual journey rather than a medical disease? Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, in some ways, there's a model for how to be present right now and not, not have uh, the past cluttering things up. But but the programming that's still in the energy field does, in fact, obviously affect people, and, and uh, we need to kind of get beyond that as well. But, yeah, interesting observation. Yeah, and but, it, but it's also about the energies and the mix of people. I mean, and you mentioned, I mean, and I am one of those clinically extremely sensitive people, and I always have been. And even though I might have a ferocious will to do and can manifest and function in the world, um, there are certain parts of the world I can't function in, like, football games or large gatherings or loud, loud get-togethers where there's too much noise. And um, I find it totally and entirely overwhelming. Mm. I mean, the energetics of it is just, I get sick. I don't feel well. I mean, as a child, you just say, I have a stomach ache. I have a headache. You don't even know what it is. And it just sounds like some little kid whining and complaining. 
but in fact it was an energetic reality or going into the grocery store to this day i can't stay long wherever there's fluorescent lighting so these these are real uh, phenomena that we're all being exposed to more and more with electromagnetics etc so how how do we as humans deal with all of this because it's not just emotions anymore it's all kinds of frequencies bombarding us yeah, uh, yeah, it's actually unbelievable how much stuff we're doing yeah. with on what level. And, yeah, and somebody who's yeah, super sensitive like you, then, yeah, it's uh, uh, going to be tricky to be around that much disordered energy. And uh, uh, But I, I, do, I do think, yeah, with, my, with what I've seen with people, um, as I deal with a fair number of people with uh, EMF sensitivities and stuff like that, it, um, it's still an emotional process that works. It's it's uh, it's still energetic issues that mm-hmm. uh, make us vulnerable, and uh, and we can resolve those issues and become uh, more able to function around that. Uh, can you give us an example of a process somebody can use, a general kind of thing that you've observed in many of the people you work with, and methods for working with that? Well, yeah, so... You know, I mean, the, the general process is, yeah, if you're aware of, of what the issue is, uh, move into, to, you know, to focus on that feeling and to actually move into the feeling. Um, the, the trickiest part, I'll come back to the process in a second, but the trickiest part, of course, is especially with something like yeah, EMF or something like that where it's really difficult to understand what, what's my issue and how am I engaging with this stuff. Uh, a little bit easier, uh, you know, if it's a... If single individual and you're having trouble with that person uh, to discern what what the method of engagement is and then to heal that issue up but uh, but the emotional process is applicable to every level of energy that's what's cool about it is uh, uh, you know you can heal your genetic programming you can heal the issues that are related to EMF sensitivity uh, with an emotional process um, so um, yeah the actual process again is simply feeling what's there now Let's say, um, let's say, uh, okay, so maybe at a football game or something where there's, you know, 100,000 people, uh, you know, a lot of competition, a lot of invalidation flying around, um, and what you would need to do is, is be able to ascertain how you're engaging with other people's invalidation, and, um, and then once you have that in your mind, then you'd be able to relax through that feeling and and evolve it. Um, you know, I think, um, for instance, a lot of sensitive people are very caring and take a lot of responsibility for everything they feel, even if it's not their own issue. So if taking responsibility for other people pulls their energy into your space, then you've got to heal your definition of responsibility so that you're not vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So for every human, identifying those things that are the most difficult not the easiest, the most difficult for them, whether it's talking about their feelings or trying something new or, you know, healing an old wound in the family, that those are really the things that need to be done in order for health to be accomplished and health being balance, energetic balance. Yeah, again, getting back to yeah the earlier definition, I, I would call health, you know, being in the, in the flow of your light coming mm-hmm. through your body and into your world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so anything that obstructs the flow of your light is going to be health impairing and anything that's going to um, assist you in, in maintaining the flow of your light is going to be health supportive. Uh, so, uh, 
Um, so yeah, so we do want to go into the most challenging issues. Um, when you think about it kind of abstractly for a second here, um, you know, it's, it's like if we have negative feelings, uh, we tend to avoid those things. We don't want to do something that makes us feel like a failure. We don't want to do something that makes us feel worthless. But if we could change kind of the uh, connotation of those emotions, then it would open everything up for us. So if you could feel failure and enjoy it, then it would no longer have any power over you. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the goal of what we're doing here with the emotional work is to allow you know, So then we're not being pushed around by negative emotions. We're not being drawn to positive ones. Then we're freed up to be ourselves. And that's mm -hmm. when we can bring our light through. Well, do you, do you view emotions as light being um, sort of like received and then interpreted? We're interpreting light through our experience, and that's what's tamping it down. Like, you know, in many sacred societies, they teach that the goal of a self-managed human is to be able to say this and this, meaning it's not anger or no anger. It's okay, so there's that emotion, but it's no different than joy. It's just an emotion. It's just right. passing through. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, we're moving through our experience. Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, it's interesting because some traditions say, you know, it's no different than a stranger. Do you sit around and let the stranger run your life, or do you just notice the stranger walk by? Okay. <laughs> and, and so that we treat our emotions as our, our dear companions when, in fact, they the having of the emotion is not the issue. It's how we respond to having it. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So your, your observation and the work you do with people is that in the knowing of the energy that's associated with the feeling, when it no longer controls us, doesn't make our heart beat fast, doesn't make us make a bad decision, it's just we can observe it and know it. Is that when it no longer has the power? It's just sort of... Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yep. Perfect. So, yeah, then, you know, again, we're, we're light beings moving through our experience. When we identify with anything, positive or negative, we've stopped our flow. Mm -hmm. So if we identify with our body, identify with being male or female, identify with our thoughts, identify with negative feelings, but identify with positive feelings, too, it stops our flow. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us build up our, like, mental uh, picture of ourselves so that we want to think of ourselves as good people and nice people and so forth. And so we we keep trying to create that experience instead of like, let's let go of all those definitions. Let's just be ourselves and whatever that is, is going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we want to release our, our attachment, our identification, all that stuff. And so like you were saying, yeah, there's joy. Interesting. There's anger. That's interesting. Um, and move through it. But the cool thing is that once you start moving through all these emotions, you actually begin to discover that really there is no real dichotomy. They actually are just manifestations of a single emotion. Like, there is only love. There is only yeah. care. It's just, yeah. yeah, when we heal all the positives and the negatives, the uncaring and the caring, and it turns out that they all dissolve and they become caring. Mm -hmm. Same with love and non-love. Mm -hmm. Through it, it becomes well, love. That's lovely. It's, it's very much, I mean, your work is very much in harmony with so many sacred societies' efforts of, you know, showing self-management as being the optimal path. And whether you have one arm or ten arms, it's really not the issue. It's the experience of the having the one arm or the ten arms. We'll be right back. Our guest is Dr. Michael Weiner. His book, Light Medicine, Evolving Our Body, Our Life, and Our Planet, a Balboa Press 2013 release. Hello, this is Ocean Robbins with foodrevolution.org. I'm the author of Voices of the Food Revolution, 
You're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Zoe Hieronymus. Michael, in your book, you have some wonderful exercises of body postures um, that that help us with our alignment, with proper energy movement through the body, um, and for a variety of different needs, whether it's the mental body or the emotional body or our divine body, etc. How did you go about discovering these or learning these? I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I just... Um, yeah, it was a, a, a part of my development where I was looking for easy ways to uh, to activate kind of the ultimate uh, function for each of those aspects of our of our energy, and uh, and yeah, I hit on these poses that uh, that did in fact do what I had in mind. I, yeah, they work really well, and uh, yeah, they're great for activating different aspects of the energy, and then again, using the, the emotional process to move through whatever comes up. But. Well, it's interesting because, um, I mean, you and I have never spoken before, but I right. developed a system of movements based in astrology 30-some years ago, back in the 80s, and it dealt with the elementals of uh, positive, negative, positive, positive, et cetera, and it all dealt with these angles of 30-degree angles or 120-degree angle, and you have a lot of that 45-degree angle, 135-degree angles, and all of these actually have m- meaning energetically, astrologically. So I, I, I just wondered whether it had been an intuitive discovery or you had studied with some Taoist movement expert who gave these to you. So they were an intuitive experiment and experience that you've passed on and practiced with others? Yeah, I, yeah, actually, yeah I, I never had exposure to that, but now that you're mentioning it, yeah, I do have some friends who are into astrology, and I should probably run that by them and see what they have to say about it. But uh, but yeah, I just kind of intuitively hit on those. They're, they're ter- I've got like over 600 different poses that I came up with for different, different, all kinds of different functions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty fun. But you also make clear that it, it's not necessarily having things done to us. I mean, obviously, if you're in an accident and you lose an arm, you want to stop the, the blood flow and et cetera, et cetera, and take care of it surgically. But, but there's a deeper kind of healing that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, like, like especially with things like trauma, you know, the very the energy of trauma is something that most of the time we're encouraged to adapt to. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, something happened, um, and that vibration of trauma ideally is something that we want to actually get out of our body. Uh, we don't want to adapt to the energies that are there. So yes, even if we lose a limb. Um, we still need, you know, we need to do the emotional healing and, and obviously all the issues around losing a limb that might come up. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, the actual accident and all the energy associated with that ideally would be uh, resolved so that we don't adapt to those energies. So, so when our culture gets riveted on what I refer to as the new um, reality TV show will be called The Disaster Channel. And um, as we all turn into the disaster channel, as earth changes become more and more prominent and they actually, you know, send out the teams to cover it or people with their cell phones while they work, et cetera. This is real trauma that we take in through our eyes. And and as I've experienced, and I think as people understand now, beginning to understand, that it's not just, oh, it's just a vision. It's just an image. It's just TV. That the body doesn't know the difference between experiencing it 
for real on its own and just seeing it external through its eyes, even though we get conditioned not to respond through our adrenals quite the same way. How, how do you see this with a culture that's so visual now and so instantaneously, you know, um, celebratory of disaster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. We're definitely sharing the, the, the trauma. And like kind of what you were saying before with the social media, uh, yeah, as soon as things happen, everybody knows about it, and, and everybody's body and energy begins to adapt to it. And, yeah, we're uh, just because we can adapt to it really quickly doesn't mean it's that great for us. I mean, all those violent shows and everything, people are taking that in, and their nervous system is, is incorporating all that energy. And, um, yeah, I, I don't... And then we see it manifest in kids who don't know why they just went and killed somebody. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know why I did it. You know, and and then if you're taking these psychotic-like drugs or the drugs that cause mania, et cetera, that are these psychological drugs, and mostly all the school shooters have been kids who have been on those beyond just their problems. They then have chemical imbalances. So when you look at light and healing with light and the future of medicine in our life and in our coming century, um, how do you see this manifesting? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, back to what you were saying about the medication and stuff. I mean, the thing is that the issues are there, and the medications don't get rid of them. So, you know, yeah. just push this somewhere else, and it's not surprising that people, especially kids, will will act out on that stuff. They're not as adept at suppressing as some of us adults. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we're, we're we're if we really want to see medicine and healthcare move to a higher level, we we sort of have to, um, you know, instead of like trying to just help people adapt to the dysfunction that they're experiencing and really flip it around. I mean, like most of the medications are used just to help people cope with the, the energy that they're dealing with. Not, they're not, it's not about healing it. And, so, and you also point out, as I've also pointed out, that medicine in our country, in the Western world, is a military model of not only acceptable risk, but as you point out and as I've also pointed out, as have others, that it's a war on our bodies. You know, we war on others, we war on the land, and now it's a war on our bodies. Yeah, 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 it's a new battleground. Yeah, we're fighting bugs, and we're fighting all the negative stuff. There's no sense of responsibility. And again, you know, even if, like, say, if, you know, if we get viruses or we get uh, diseases going in our body or whatever, you know, the, the, it's the same thing with emotional issues in, in relationships. We engage with the energy somehow. That doesn't mean we're wrong, doesn't mean we're bad, doesn't mean we want the illness. But we, we have the power to change how we engage with that energy, and we can, uh, we can evict it. Um, but, yeah, we don't want to start creating another battle. I mean, it just it, it perpetuates t- kind of um, non-responsibility for what's going on and then also the victimization that, that you really can't do much about your life, you can't do much about your body, things just happen to you. And that's, that's probably the most damaging part there. We want to flip that around and go, like, there actually is something you can do for yourself uh, you can take responsibility, not again, you know, just for what's happening, what you're experiencing, and and get the energy out of your space if it's not your energy. Yeah, there was yeah. there was a while in in this kind of discussion where people felt they were responsible for the cancer they got and they should feel guilty that they gave themselves cancer. Right. Versus, you know, life is about having experiences and whatever has brought this um, situation into our life. It's an opportunity of growth. And that's why I, I have always honored 
you know, the native tradition so, because they'll even say things like, if a person has a psychotic reaction to a drug, or a person has taken a psychedelic, or a person falls and hits their head and moves into an altered state, all of them are equally spiritual experiences that we treat as medical trauma. It's very, it's very, it's just a fascinating different kind of um, way, aperture of looking at these events that happen. And um, so I really like your perspective that empowers the individual to know that um, working with the emotions so that they don't control us, of feeding ourselves well, not just food, but energies of protecting, as I like to say, you know, protecting the holy gates to the temple of what you see and what you hear and what you smell and what you taste is really important. Yeah. Again, going forward, you know, the health, the healing, if healing's at the center, then that teaches people a process, teaches people a way to uh, deal with their experience uh, in a positive way and move forward. And then medical health care would be more of an adjunct, which would support people and manage uh, situations while people are healing whatever they can heal. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see it that way than, you know, like healing as it is now being sort of more of a fringe thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's very, and you also talk about the intention to heal. And because I've interviewed so many people in the consciousness laboratories, of course, intention becomes the engine of absolutely everything, whether it's non-local consciousness or, you know, cooking a pot of rice. Yeah. Yeah, the intention to heal is what we do when we're faced with an issue. Do we move into it and move through it, or do we kind of try to get away from it? So, yeah, for me, the intention to heal is like the critical element as to whether... Mm-hmm. Uh, how we deal with our experience and whether we're going to actually move through it effectively. Mm-hmm. I had I heard something interesting. We're almost out of time, but I'm curious what you think of this. I heard that for people who have illness now and then and they recover and they go through it, that they live longer lives because they're more adaptable and that the immune system is more adaptable. That's interesting. Isn't that an interesting thing? Yeah. I went, well, I'm in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for me. I've had lots of challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I, my goal with, the, like say, the immune system is to teach it how to function differently. Your uh-huh. immune system, you know, our immune system is pretty bad, actually. It just lets everybody in. Uh-huh. You know, we're, we're pretty much, uh, yeah, so we want to teach our immune system, and that, that's, again, where the, we need to process uh, the issues there that allow foreign energy into our space. The energy doesn't belong in our space, and so we can teach our immune system to kick it out. So, yeah, if you've been through a disease or an illness, uh, yeah, your body is obviously resilient and you've learned how to strengthen yourself. Interesting. We are going to say goodnight at this moment. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Weiner. That's the end of the hour. 21st Century Radio is produced by Hieronymus and Company. Our executive producer and research assistant is Laura Cortner. I'm Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, and remember, we do need more love in the world.